Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's all coming together. NFL playoff best ball on Underdog. You know who's making the playoffs? You know who's scoring the fantasy points? Underdog playoff best ball, promo code UNDERWORLD to double your deposit up to 100 bucks. takeaways Ooh, went, went sprinkler system there went full sprinkler yeah you never go full sprinkler yeah you do we do on top 10 takeaways we go full sprinkler oh yeah sure why not why i got we got some takes we got some takes however i can tell you that i'm uh gonna do one of those unprepared shows so this is a no note show once in a while we do a no note show and so if you're on Discord, check out our Discord. Go to playerprofiler.com. There's a little button there. Join our Discord. Uh, you might wonder why there's no show sheet. Usually I put the show sheet in there. That's because I got nothing. I got uh, absolutely nothing. I, I have some takes from what I saw yesterday, but I don't really have any uh, written notes. So this is going to be a scatter shot. I don't have like a, a top 10 takeaways to give you at the beginning of the show. And then we sort of launch into the show like we run the bumper Right, you know, I got here, here I got this take. We got, you know, Justin Fields. When is he going to be the the QB one in Dynasty? Right, these kind of things. And then we then we launch right into the bumper. No, got none of that. None of that today. Just uh, riffing, riff show. Big riff show today. Big. I got a lot to talk about. I, I had a lot of thoughts as the games were playing out yesterday. I had a lot of thoughts. I'm going to try to see if I can remember what my thoughts were. Uh, my thoughts on uh, the Seattle Buccaneers game was that uh, I was very pleased to see that Kenneth Walker found his passport or got a passport expedited. I don't know how it happened. Like, how does it happen? How does it? If you wake up one day and realize, hey, I've got to, I got to go to Germany next week, and I don't have a passport. If you're not a professional athlete or a diplomat, you're fucked. You're not going to Germany. But somehow, he's like, they're like, someone in, in, in the State Department was like, oh, is this the NFL? Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a football player? Oh, well. <laughs> well, we'll get that made right away. We'll get that laminated and get that all, all pressed and ready to go. Yeah, we can't, we can't have Kenneth Walker running back from the Seattle Seahawks miss a game because he doesn't have a passport. No one asked him weeks ago. Months ago, hey, by the way, we have a game in Germany. You're going to need your passport. So they, they, it would have been nice. It would have been nice to see how they could do with DJ Dallas and Travis Homer in the backfield. But I'm looking at this and, and, and realizing that those guys didn't get any of the rush share. 100% of the running back rush share went to Kenneth Walker. Uh, it was only 10 carries because they were down. And that's what happens. You're like, oh, well, you know, Kenneth Walker, he's not going to get there. If they don't uh, mm, have a lead, they're down double digits at halftime. Poor Kenneth Walker. He's going to be useless for fantasy this week. And as it turned out, 
He wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. Why? Oh, oh, look at those targets. Eight targets. Eight, eight targets. Looking at the, the total attempts, that's like a 25% target share. So this changes things. This, if, if Kenneth Walker can go out there and command eight targets, just one game, just needs that one game. Does Nick Chubb have an eight target game? Anyone in the chat? Can someone tell me that? Does Nick Chubb have a, does, does Derrick Henry have, have a, have an eight target game ever, ever? I mean, if so, that's great. Good for them. And uh, that would be, I'm looking at this year. Nick Chubb doesn't have one above three. Doesn't have a game above three targets. Didn't get above four targets the year prior, year before that. Oh, he had a five-target game once. In 2020, Nick Chubb had a five-target game. Then in 2019, go all the way back to 2019, had a six-target game. And then in 2018, his rookie year, uh, another six-target game. So he's he's he, Nick Chubb maxed out at six targets. And I picked Nick Chubb because Kenneth Walker reminds me a lot of Nick Chubb as a runner. And now he's catching a lot of passes, commanding a lot of targets. And he was efficient with those targets. So that's a big deal. I think it's a very big deal. That may be one of the most important. See, I had no idea. I had no idea what game I would start with. I just kind of went in order of the games that happened on Sunday. Yeah, just kind of going through, looking at the games. No notes, no planning, no organizational skills whatsoever by the Podfather. And yet I may have stumbled on one of the most important stats and observations especially for Dynasty, because now there is this, this case for Kenneth Walker. Is he the RB1 in Dynasty? Should we put him ahead of Jonathan Taylor? Well, Jonathan Taylor had like 150 yards and a touchdown. But did Jonathan Taylor have eight targets? No. Can, can Jonathan Taylor go back in time and become magically two years younger? No. So this is the case. So if you're looking at the Dynasty rankings, check out the Dynasty rankings on Player Profiler. Later this week, we update them every week. That's one of the great things about the player profiler dynasty ranking service is we update these damn dynasty rankings every single week. I'm interested to see. It's it's a formulaic process. I'm interested to see how the lifetime values adjust based on these new projections because what happens is with this a three-year projection, and we put assumptions into the machine of, of what Kenneth Walker's target share is going to be in the next three years. And now, based on this game, we change those assumptions. And suddenly, you, you give him two more years of his prime, more than Jonathan Taylor has. And then, I think Dave Kluge remarked on Twitter that the RB1 in Dynasty has changed more than uh, taxi drivers changed their oil this year. Not exactly true. I mean, it was... Jonathan Taylor, then it was Brees Hall, then it was Jonathan Taylor again. But I get it. I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying. And will it be Kenneth Walker? Stay tuned. Will Kenneth Walker be the next change on the top of the Dynasty rankings? Dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Rashad White's going up. I mean, Rashad White's going up in a big way. And the key is, I know you're looking at the box score going, whoa! Maybe, maybe you slept through the game like most people. Whoa, right? Oh, Fournette was hurt. Ah, that, that explains it. No, that doesn't explain it. Because White was was out-touching Fournette before. Before the injury. It was a late-game injury. So White was on the field more than Fournette was before the injury. Now, maybe the injury happened earlier in the game, and, and, and it was exacerbated at some point. And so he, he 
aggravated it, and then that's what made them take him out. I don't know. I I didn't see a blimp off. I I didn't see any reports of him getting injured earlier. I think it's possible that White is just a a more explosive playmaker, and it makes sense at this point in their respective careers, White is a more explosive playmaker. He is the new Tony Pollard, and Leonard Fournette is trending toward, he has a lot of wear and tear, right? Not as much as Zeke, but if you had to pick a who's the next Zeke Pollard duo in the NFL, wouldn't it be Fournette and Rashad White? So I'm excited to see where he checks in in the Dynasty rankings. This is a big deal. Like, oh, you're going to have a Rashad White dance party? Maybe. You're going to have a, a Christian Watson dance party? Maybe. I have a lot of Christian Watson in Dynasty. Thank God he had this breakout. I'm not. We're not going to talk about it yet. We're not going to talk about it yet. I, I got to wait. I want to wait for that one. I want to wait. Why, why, though? Why would I wait? I don't have an order, right? It's like it just isn't the game that I'm looking at next. I'm looking at Dolphins, Browns, but why? we, we don't have a plan. So yes, yes, we can talk about permission granted from me, by me, to me, to talk about Christian Watson. Christian Watson got all the targets. Like, he almost got half the targets. And Lazard played. Now, Lazard's not 100%, but who cares? Who cares? And this is very bad news. The takeaway here is I hope you sold high on Romeo Dobbs. That was the first, that was my reflex response. When I saw this, I was like, oh, oh, I hope those Romeo Dobbs enthusiasts got out when they could, because now we're seeing what real upside looks like. See, Dobbs could never do that. Dobbs is not explosive enough, and he can't even squeeze the football, right? So he was one of the league leaders in drops when he was injured. Christian Watson, eight targets. No one else had more than four. And he has upper percentile explosiveness. Permission to get excited. Now, Lazard is still technically the alpha there, the incumbent. And Aaron Rodgers plays slow. And you know this was one of those games where the Cowboys were up 28-14. So this was a game script-induced, faster-paced game than normal. This is cool. This is cool. Am I going to be playing Christian Watson with confidence? Not really. Not really. Depends on my options, of course. Sometimes you just have to play him. But he's still a secondary option on the Packers. And he's going to be very interesting for DFS now because he's he's not going to be priced all the way up at first. So we're going to be able to get some, some cheap Christian Watson because it's going to take a few more weeks for the DFS grinders to really appreciate Christian Watson's full upside. So that part of it's pretty cool. That's exciting. But is he going to take the mantle from Lazard as the alpha moving forward. He's a rookie. He's done nothing close to this. Probably not. Probably not. I'm just glad that you stashed him. We had him as an upside stash on the you know big waiver wire fab bidding guidance that we put out every week. Always Christian Watson there. Boom. It's like Christian Watson, Odell Beckham. There's like a couple. Oh, just keep stashing these high upside guys regardless of what happens, right? I think the best is Khalil Shakir. I saw that Khalil Shakir got multiple targets. So this is another interesting player. You might say, whoa, whoa, Gabe Davis. Yeah, Gabe Davis is going to have weeks, okay? Gabe Davis is going to dud, and then he's going to, he's a secondary option. So he's a secondary option who plays the role of a, of a proper outside field-stretching 
clasher. So he's going to have big weeks, and he's going to have weeks he, he disappears. Shakir, two targets. See, Shakir, two, I love the handcuff wide receiver on one of the league's best offenses. That that was really cool to see. You might say, oh, that, that's not a takeaway. Well, the other takeaway was that Naheem Hines, he had one target, but I think he had like less than 10 snaps. And Singletary hogged most of the carries, you know, a few to, to James Cook, and got those two touchdowns. And so on our DFS Dominator show, we did not recommend using Singletary, and we were wrong because there was huge uncertainty around the touch distribution, Singletary versus Cook versus Hines, because they started using Cook more in recent weeks as well. So you add Hines. Why do they go out and trade for Hines? Why? If they, if they love Singletary so much, why? And, and, it's, a, and it's a game that's going to shoot out, right? And then they end up losing. The Bills are now 6-3. and three. Are we so sure they're going to the Super Bowl? Are we sure? I wish I was positive. Bills-Eagles Super Bowl. Now, Josh Allen, not 100%, having arm issues, losing another game, still rushing for 84 yards, though. I mean, just a, what a tank. What a tank. He didn't, he didn't really help you in DFS because he was so expensive, but just what a tank. And you know who else didn't help you in DFS at all was Kirk Cousins. We told you on the DFS Dominator show, if we're going to talk about where we were wrong, like, okay, their intentions were continue using Singletary as they've been using him all year in spite of the Naheem Hines trade. That's great information. Now we have that information. We can move forward with that information. Naheem Hines fully online and it doesn't matter. He's, he's ramped up. He's assimilated. Doesn't matter. And yet, even though the game shot out and the Vikings scored 33 points, Kirk Cousins still didn't get there in DFS. Just 17 points. So he was useless in GPPs. But this is advice we give on the Dominator Show every single week. Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, play these guys, even though you don't play Cousins that week, it doesn't matter. Make sure you're making a point to get Jefferson in lineups. Make sure you're making a point to get Devontae Adams in lineups because they're tethered to pocket passers, and these guys just are not nearly as useful in DFS anymore. So if a game projects to be a shootout against Detroit and the totals like 52, then you can use a Cousins. But th this game total was 44. Can you believe that? How wrong Vegas was? I think Vegas, Vegas took an absolute bath on this. That's another takeaway. Vegas, I mean, 44 point total, even after it was clear that Josh Allen was going to play. They didn't call up a backup quarterback, right? They could have for the active roster. Are they going to bring up Barkley, Matt Barkley, and put him on the active roster, the game day roster? No, they didn't. They had that option on Saturday. They didn't take it. And you look up Saturday night, Sunday, and the game total was still 44, 44 and a half, 45. Still crazy low, head-scratchingly low, where we said, okay, well, uh, you know, our process is that we can't play a pocket passer in a low total game like this, and so we're going to have to play Allen in DFS, but no no Cousins, I guess. You can still take the over. I think the public, everyone was on the overs like, Vegas, what are you doing, man? 63 points scored in this game. What are you doing, Vegas? Vegas is a guy. 
Right, man. Hey, man. Hey, Vegas. Justin Jefferson is doing the, this thing that we love about the elite receivers where they can put up close to 200 yards. That's what you love about Tyree Kill. And the difference between what these elite receivers can deliver in terms of upside compared to other positions, it's just special. It's, it's, it's truly special, and I am just proud to be an American. When you look at this Justin Jefferson performance, how can you not just want to salute the world and sports, right? I, I pledge allegiance to the NFL. That was so cool. I mean, that's what you love. You have Justin Jefferson. You're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then you have Stephon Diggs, too. And you're like, oh, he didn't get the touchdown. But still 24 fantasy points, even without the touchdown. Amazing. It's just a fun game. And you're going to go right back to Hawkinson next week in DFS. Hawkinson, another 10 targets. See, that's under the radar. You find these interesting observations and takeaways under the radar, we're going to go right back to Hawkinson. Hawkinson's upside is usage in this offense is much higher than they ever used Irv Smith. They have just Munt. Is that, they've just relegated Munt to nothing. Like They're like, hey, we finally have an all-purpose two-way tight end. This is how you use an all-purpose two-way tight end with explosiveness and, and yards after the catch ability. You use him like Kelsey. You use him like Kittle. He is just like these players. He profiles the next Kittle. They train in the offseason together. They went to the same college. They had the same regiment. They're the same guy. He's Kittle. It's, it's, it's happening. He's Kittle. TJ Hawkinson is Kittle. That's a takeaway. Yeah, he didn't score any fantasy points. Right. Only had 11 fantasy points. Yep, 10 targets. And you see this usage trend. It's just very, very, very exciting. I'm already lost. I don't know where I am. I don't know what games we're talking about. Uh, oh, the one pocket passer that we were playing was Tua, right? Tua, as always, it, it, he gets there 29 fantasy points with three touchdowns because he has two big-time playmakers. See, you could say Hawkinson, right? And we certainly will be playing Cousins, depending on the game scenario. We will be playing some Cousins in DFS, no doubt, I don't want anyone to think, oh, we're not playing. No, we're definitely going to play. Depending on the situation, we'll certainly be playing some cousins in DFS the rest of the year. But Tua, right? I mean, that's exciting. That That is just, it's, it's kind of shocking that you look at the advanced stats and you're like, oh, this is a total team effort to buoy Tua, to lift him up, right? They've had all these improvements across the board, all their weaponry. You know, they just added Jeff Wilson to help the running game, offensive line, wide receivers. Well, no, the offensive line's no better. The offensive line, time to throw, they're allowing for Tua, 2.4 seconds. It was 2.4 seconds last year. It's the same exact time to throw. And yet his target depth is more than two yards greater. Like it's 9.8 is his average target depth now this year. And last year, it was 7.5. So it's, it's been a complete revelation, and it ties back to one guy, Tyreek Hill. So I just want to make sure that we talk about Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill only gave you like 15 fantasy points. That's his floor, apparently. And yet, he was so much more than the sum of his fantasy points in this game. 
He's the re. Why do you think Trent Sherfield had 16 fantasy points? Why do you think uh, Alex Ingold had 14 fantasy points? Tyreek Hill. Like, they should all be sending Tyreek Hill watches. Like, you know how the quarterback sends a, a Rolex to all of his uh, offensive linemen? Dolphins should do that for Tyreek Hill. That's a takeaway. And it's great to see a coach who is not tethered to last week's tendencies or any loyalties to existing veterans or incumbents. They get Jeff Wilson. And, like, Jeff Wilson's more explosive. Jeff Wilson's just better. Jeff Wilson's the new bell cow. And I remember... After week two, I said, trade for Jeff Wilson. Remember, trade for Jeff Wilson. And then, and then the, the people on Twitter were like, he's already been picked up in all leagues. What are you talking about? Or I said, go get Jeff Wilson. Right? Maybe I said, go get Jeff Wilson. I meant trade for Jeff Wilson. Clearly, he was already picked up everywhere. He was the number one waiver pickup after week one. Clearly, you want to go get Jeff Wilson. And no, you can't just get him on the waiver wire. But he's still very easy to acquire even after week two. He's established himself on a run-first team, an efficient running game. And, and this team, the Dolphins, have an efficient running game. And he's getting the vast majority of the carries and, oh baby, the five targets. So Jeff Wilson looking like the discount bell cow in the league. And uh, we always talk about Prediction Strike on this show. Prediction Strike, that is the platform that treats players like stocks. So you can, you can bet on players to increase in value. A particular wide receiver did the best possible thing you can do for prediction strike, which is he went out and gave you 99 yards. Didn't get 100. Nope. Nope. Didn't get the bonus on DraftKings. That was heartbreaking, by the way, because we had all the all the DPJ on, on DraftKings. Not a big week for us in DFS because some of these, these particular players didn't quite hit the way we wanted. Like Peoples-Jones couldn't get to that 100-yard bonus. Bummer right? Oh, well, that's what happens. The process was right, right? He tripled Cooper's targets. Why? Because when Amari Cooper goes up against Xavier Howard, he shrivels. No wide receiver shrivels more in the face of elite cornerback play than Amari Cooper. When he can just sit down in uh, the soft spot in the zone, he's great against zone coverage, but against man, one of the worst number one receivers in the NFL against these top corners, against man coverage. He just shrivels. He shrinks away. That's the issue. That was always the danger this week with Amari Cooper and why we liked Donovan Peoples-Jones. We also like Donovan Peoples-Jones because he's going to score touchdowns. He's going to have a positive mean reversion to get those touchdowns. They might come in bunches in the second half. That's why you got to get him on Prediction Strike. So get the app, go to the App Store, Prediction Strike, use promo code UNDERWORLD, and then you get a free player share with a $20 deposit. That's promo code UNDERWORLD. Get Prediction Strike. Get your free player share. Just deposit $20 and invest in Donovan Peoples-Jones. Do it. He's only going up from here. Because not only are, is he going to get the touchdowns, whether it's Brissett, whoever the quarterback is, the quarterback is about to be a Deshaun Watson. So you're welcome. You're absolutely welcome on that. This, this seems... Like a very organized show, though I know how disorganized it is behind the scenes. It feels organized. Feels good. I'm happy. I'm happy with how it's going. Broncos-Titans was a game that happened. And unfortunately, Nick Westbrook-Akine uh, scored all of Traylon Burks' uh, fantasy points. Some, some got creative this week. Hey, we can get Burks! Cheap! In DFS! Hey, he's active! Hey, I have bye weeks! Hey, throw him in there! 
six targets, uh, five fantasy points. So uh, mm, 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 mm. it would be one thing if Derrick Henry did all the fantasy scoring, but for them to th- to throw the ball to a big outside receiver, not named Traylon Burks, and for him to get the two touchdowns, makes you wonder. Makes you wonder why Traylon Burks has just been leaking value on the dynasty rankings. Or Olave and Pickens, right? Where Burks is behind Jamison Williams. Who would you rather have in dynasty right now? After seeing this, Burks or Jamison Williams? I'd rather have Jamison Williams. Give me, give me what's behind the curtain, right? You either have what we know. Oh, this is what we know we have so far in Traylon Burks or the curtain. I'll take the curtain. I'm taking Jamison Williams. And this is the worst backfield for fantasy I've ever seen in my life. In my life, I've never seen a worse backfield where they're giving the most snaps to the worst player, the least effective player in Melvin Gordon, and then he's giving you 10 fantasy points exactly on the nose. Like it's Jerry Judy injured, and then they turn to Kendall Hinton. Mm. Mm, 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 mm-mm-mm-mm. Nathaniel Hackett, does he want this job? Does he? I feel like he doesn't. I feel I don't think he does. I don't think he's going to make it to the end of the year. I don't think. The difference between Nathaniel Hackett and Mike McDaniel, I mean, think about that. Wow. Judy, gone, injured. Uh, he is a frail receiver. He is very slight, and, and, and he is the opposite of durable at the wide receiver position. We have the Injury Finder app, and he was near the top of the Injury Finder app in the App Store. And Cortland Sutton gave you 11 targets. So he was hogging the targets, and he's going to keep hogging the targets the rest of the year. What he will do with these targets is yet to be seen. I've seen him, though, put up 1,100 yards with Drew Locke and be spectacular. And he's still in his prime. So I'm buying Cortland Sutton. He's going to get a big bump in Dynasty, but you know, especially even more in our seasonal rankings on playerprofiler.com. So look for that. I can't believe we even covered that game. I'm I'm sort of uh, upset that we even did. Uh, Justin Fields. Can we talk about Justin Fields? Let me just wash the stink off that game with old Justin Fields. So, you know, he started the year first 4 weeks nothing, right? No top 20 fantasy performances. And then since then, he's been a QB1 every week. And then he's been uh, the QB1 overall Two consecutive weeks. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And he is going to now officially, I can tell you already in advance, he's going to move ahead of Trevor Lawrence in Dynasty. That's enough, right? I saw a a, a bunch of DFS experts touting Trevor Lawrence in DFS. And we talked about it on the DFS Dominator show and the uh, Stackfest show on Roto Grinders. And I was like, uh, no, you don't need to, you don't need Lawrence. You, You could play ETN. Great. You could play Kirk. Great. But uh, no to Lawrence. Hard no on Lawrence. And what did he give you? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Like, no- nothing useful, right? I mean, 24 fantasy points isn't nothing, right? I mean, it's not the worst. I don't even know how that even is possible. But 260 and 2. Like, that's just a classic pocket passer game. He did give you the 26 rushing yards. But... You expect more from Trevor Lawrence or the Trevor Lawrence prospect profile. He just perpetually disappoints. And our algorithms 
and our projection models continue to to peg him to what is a rational, cool, clinical projection, even upside projection every week, and we just can't see playing him in DFS. It doesn't it doesn't work. The math doesn't work. Even in a game where they had the highest total on the board and they they missed their total, right? It was a 51.5 over under and they scored 44 points. And yet still Mahomes 38 smashed. But Pacheco, Pacheco very interesting. We keep it process 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 process, right? Oh, you love Pacheco because he's explosive. You love Donovan Peoples-Jones because he's explosive. Well, no. I love athletes that are masters of their craft in the field of athletics. I like that. And it helps to be explosive. It helps to be fast. You ever watched a soccer game and thought, geez, that guy's slow? Or watched a, 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 a basketball game and said, oh, that guy's fast. Like he's moving up and down the floor. He can catch people from behind, he can pull away and dunk. You ever watched a guy in, in, in basketball that's fast versus not fast, and, or, or football, or any sport, and thought to yourself, really, you know what I think is better is the slow the slow player. Yeah, I think I'd rather have the slow player. I think that, I think I'd, in, in fact, all else equal, I'd rather be slow. I'd rather be slow. Slow is better. No, no. Part of the appeal of Isaiah Pacheco is that his coaches see the explosiveness in practice and he may be raw, but he will eventually get those opportunities because we know for a fact that Edward Solaire is not. Edward Solaire was a small, slow satellite back coming out, and then that was exactly what he showed in the NFL. And no one's allowed to be surprised by any of that, any of that. And when Pacheco comes in and doubles his snap share, like they've been slowly working him in, 20%, 25%, 30%. And then this past week, he crested the 50% snap share threshold. That's enormous. It's huge. It's very important. And I'm here for it, right? It's like with Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's been getting past that 20% target share threshold every week. I think every week I look up, at least since October, I look up and he's getting a 20% target share, right? And then in this game, you look at Kadarius Tony. And Kadarius Tony, he's playing less than 50% of the snaps. And everybody was excited about Kadarius Tony's big playability, his athleticism. And he, they were drafting him in the seventh round. And I was like, well, okay, just athleticism isn't enough. Okay. And if all of the of the price of that athleticism is baked into the ADP, then there's no value there, right? With Pacheco. In the double-digit rounds, it's not priced in. With Peoples-Jones all year on the waiver wire, it's not been priced in. With Tony, it's been priced in from the beginning. And what hasn't been priced in is that he clearly has issues learning playbooks. I believe this was a problem in New York, and it frustrated the coaches. There's nothing that will get you benched and traded faster than running the wrong route having the wrong alignment, the wrong assignment on the wrong play. It's not necessarily rational, but it's the thing that will get you shipped to another team on your rookie contract, though you were drafted in the first round. So I am not hopeful. Right In a game that Mecole Hardman wasn't available and then Juju goes out with a hamstring injury or a concussion, was it both? I think it was a concussion, actually. 
I don't know. I don't have notes in front of me. I wish I knew. I think it was a concussion. Damn it. Something. He went out. He was injured. And it's either a hamstring or concussion. With Juju, I know it's a hamstring or a concussion or a shoulder injury. It's one of those three things. Tony was poised to step up and, and command a, a greater snap share, target share, and he didn't. He didn't because you also have to be good at football. It's very possible now these trends that we're seeing, these takeaways every week, what's so important about it? It's important when you identify players that didn't necessarily smash with their raw fantasy production, but you see these peripherals, you see the advanced metrics, you see the usage rising, irrespective of the production. Now, Peoples-Jones was getting production. He's producing. If you're talking about air yards and target share, he's been producing, right? Look at Nico Collins. Nico Collins. He's getting that 20% target share every week now. That's that nice threshold where we are with Donovan Peoples-Jones. And, and the reason I bring him up is because these are these Michigan receivers that should have been second-round picks based on their talent profiles, and yet because they underperformed at Michigan because of the quarterback play and the system at Michigan, they were doomed in the NFL. And then, sure enough, they come out and, and, and they're showing great peripherals. This is all good. This is all good. And then you look at you know some other players, and you're like, well, like uh, Chase Claypool. He ran five routes. He's a big-time explosive athlete, and yet he's on an offense where he's the clear third-best receiver, and they're not using him. So there, it's like, oh, wow. I would probably use Claypool more if it were me, but it's not me. So we're going to go ahead and not necessarily play Claypool until he shows usage. I mean, more than five routes run. Maybe he was hurt. I didn't get the news, but uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all about Mooney. I loved this way. I love that Komet smashed again, and Mooney was flying under the radar because Fields is happening. He is going to have a 300-yard week soon. It, oh, you, you predicted it. It didn't happen this week. I didn't say it's going to happen this week. It's going to happen, though, right? It's gonna, just like all these things. I said, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to – DPJ is going to happen. Pacheco is going to happen. Yes. Yes. They're happening. Christian Watson happened. It's all happening. So this is another thing that is going to happen. So that is going to happen. The big, hairy breakout week for Darnell Mooney is coming. I'm on Ross St. Brown in the absence of Hawkinson's beginning like a 40% target share. But because he is a slot receiver, he can't produce at the same level as an Adams or a Jefferson. I just want to be clear about that. He's priced up in DFS and he doesn't fit as well because the upside projection just isn't as high. And, and these systems are optimizers. They can't fit St. Brown in because you have to pay a salary premium and not necessarily get that 190-yard upside. Now, I know he ha has a week like that on his resume. I know. But he isn't explosive. He is a slot receiver. So things really have to align for him. The moon and the stars have to align. He has to get touchdowns. And this is the danger with a slot receiver that doesn't get the touchdowns. However, the target share is so high, his price is not coming down in DFS. I mean, he he was productive, right? He was he had a he had a good week. He was, you're so happy you started St. Brown in fantasy football. It's just he's in this no man's land, right? You're, he's in this no man's land where his absolute ceiling in any given week, given that offense and and given his lack of straight line speed, just isn't what a Jalen Waddles is, for example. Others with good peripheries this week. Wandale Robinson, 
I know that Slayton was the one that scored the fantasy points, but Wandale actually ran more routes, so that's important. And uh, Kyron Williams, I know that he didn't uh, have the same level of uh, you know yardage or box score stuffing. Not that there was any box score stuffing from Cam Akers. I mean, it's just you look up and you're like, wait, Kyron Williams had one carry for nine yards, and he just had the, the three targets, but he was on the field more than Cam Akers. Cam Akers is so washed. Another one-target game with no catches. And a, a, an important indicator is the Kyron Williams routes run were much greater than Cam Akers, commanded more targets than Darrell Henderson. So he's a very interesting pickup this week. We'll talk more about Kyron Williams. Uh, we recommended picking him up last week. So I hope you did. But you're, he's going to be a strong pickup this week. And that is all I've got. Nathaniel Hackett, does he want this job? Does he? Went sprinkler system there. Went full sprinkler. Yeah, you never go full sprinkler. Yeah, you do. We do in top 10 takeaways. We go full sprinkler. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Vegas, what are you doing, man? 63 points scored in this game. What are you doing, Vegas? Vegas is a guy, right? Man, hey, man, hey, Vegas. Yeah, you never go full sprinkler. Yeah, you do.